What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to our very exciting interview with the legendary Crystal Dawn, U.S. Women's National Team player and newly minted Portland Thorn. We are so excited to have you on Burn It All Down. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I want to get right into it. And there's so much that we'd love to talk to you about, but obviously really important and pressing for everyone is the larger Black Lives Matter moment. I wanted to start, I've taught on Long Island for a very long time. You are one of, you know, you are the best thing it's probably produced in terms of women's soccer. Um, I apologize if I've left anyone else. And Long Island is a very segregated place. I've taught there long enough to know. I've, I've taught there at Stony Brook and now at Hofstra almost 20 years. And so I have to ask you, what was it like as a youth soccer player, as an African-American youth soccer player on Long Island? Uh, well, that is such a great question because I feel like as I've gotten older, I definitely think a lot more about my upbringing. You know, I think as a kid, you just see the world one way and then you grow up and you're like, oh my gosh, let me go back to my roots. Like, let me, you know, where it all started. Um, so yes, growing up on Long Island, um, I'm from Rockville Center. It is a predominantly white neighborhood um, and my family is, all basically from Queens. So they moved me out to Rockville Center when I was about two or three. Um, and that is really where I like first saw soccer for the first time, you know? And I think um, I really owe my parents moving me out to Long Island to really, you know, why I started this sport because I don't think I would have that awareness and that knowledge of even what soccer is. You know, my parents definitely didn't grow up playing that sport and um, they didn't watch it on TV. So I think that is a really cool thing that I definitely hold dear to my heart about just Long Island in general. It is a soccer hub and there's soccer everywhere. So I'm very, very fortunate that I was able to grow up um, on Long Island. Uh, with that being said, yes, I and I know many, many Black girls have this uh, same experience, but I was one of basically just the only black player on the team, you know, and um, I didn't think anything differently when I was a kid. I was like, okay, yes, I'm different. I look different. I know that, but that's my normal, you know, that's, that's what life is. Um, and I think as I got older, I realized that there were a lot of black girls that had the same experience as me. And that's when I really decided that this is not normal. This shouldn't be the norm it shouldn't be just one or two black girls on a team this sport should be opened up to so many of us and i think that's when i started to realize like you know me growing up in a small town 
um, those issues are not just in that town, but it's it's everywhere. Um, and so as I got older, I think my eyes started opening up a little bit more and I realized that there is a bigger issue ahead. And you decided to go to UNC, which is a legendary program, legendary player, legendary program, using that word a lot. But uh, UNC, uh, was that a an obvious decision for you when it happened? How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, choosing colleges nowadays is like so stressful, you know, I think especially when you're an athlete, you obviously <laughs> want your parents want you to choose a school that, you know, for the academics is like, oh, choose a good school. We want you to graduate with a really great degree, right? Of course, parents want that. But then as a as a athlete, you want to choose a school where you want to win, you want to start, you want to play, you want to make your mark in your sport, uh, playing for a college that you feel like speaks to you. And I think when I was about 14, 15, that's when I was like, okay, colleges are starting to reach out. I'm a little, you know, anxious about it, but I'm going to take my time. Um, I'm known as like a late bloomer, I feel like, because I was 17 when I uh, committed to UNC. And a lot of people were like, that's so late. What, what took you so long? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't want to rush, you know, it's a big decision. Um, but my choice to end up at UNC was, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a hard decision. Like you stated, it's a legendary school. Uh, it's a dynasty. There are so many great players that came through that program. And I think a part of me wanted to, you know, compete on those same playing grounds and and fight for my position. I think what what Anson really sold me on there was, you know, not guaranteeing that I was going to be a starter, but saying, hey, I believe in you. I believe in your qualities. I've seen you play a bunch of times, but you have to earn your your right to start. You have to earn everything that comes your way. And I think that was when I was like, yeah, you're right. I have to earn my spot. You know, it's, it's not enough for me to say, hey, I'm Crystal Dunn, this player that has definitely achieved a lot in her, you know, high school years and her club years, but you know, that success has to carry on and it's not given. It's something that you have to work hard every single day at. And I think that was when I was like, I'm going to UNC, I'm going to earn my keep and I want to be amongst the, the great names and, um, and just be a part of that journey. What was your relationship like with Anson? What was it like playing for him? Oh, Anson, Anson, he is a interesting man, but he really encouraged us to compete. And I think competition and women are sometimes, you know, a lot of people are like, women shouldn't be competing or, you know, there's this stigma of, you know, women feeling strong and, and being able to, you know, want to outwork somebody else and achieve all the things that they want to achieve. And I think when I was at UNC, it was, it was encouraged to compete. It was encouraged to be at your best because you wanted to be at your best so your teammates can also bring out their best game and then everyone is getting better. Um, so I think Anson did an incredible job of just always making sure that people wanted to compete and you wanted to, to lose and almost be like, wow, that's unacceptable. Next day, like, I don't wanna have that feeling ever again. Even if it was a 5v5 tournament or a juggling drill, whatever it was, it was, he just fueled us to want to be at our best. And I think, um, you know, my relationship with Anson was just incredible. He definitely um, never treated me differently. And I think that, that is so important is he, he always made me feel like, you know, even if I had the stardom around me that I just have to, you know, bring it every single game and every single training. And I think that's what I try to encourage most athletes these days is to just earn your keep every single day. Don't take anything for granted and just and want to get better and want to compete. I don't know how many times you've been asked this, but as a professor, did you have a favorite class? Oh, favorite class, favorite class. Let's see. 
So I'm a soci major and I love sociology because I really think that um, just really understanding how groups of people work together in the most efficient way was something that always caught my eye because you could just apply it to everyday life, you know, Um, just in your neighborhood. Just think about the people that you you see every day and why you're able to connect and, and talk and everyone, you know, be included in this one little area, you know? So uh, definitely all my sociology classes, I was intrigued. I was always, you know, trying to read up early and make sure that I was like prepared for, you know, answering questions the next day in class. That was the probably the one area that I was like, I want to be a nerd. I want to be a geek in this class. <laughs> it's got a different kind of competition to it. Yeah, exactly. It can fuel you. You can bring it every class too. Like it's pretty interesting. <laughs> so, um, I want to ask a little bit, a lot of the women's soccer community and even your teammates and um, maybe myself and some of my co-hosts that burn it all down, have occasionally felt as though you've been slighted um, along the way for certain awards. And I'm not asking you to, to complain, but to say, what does that feel like when you read people, you know, coming out and, and saying that about you, that you have been such a... Uh, a kind of strategic player for the U.S. women's national team, such a smart player, such a workhorse, all the things, all the things. Wow, that is, oh my gosh, I hope I don't tear up because I have been thinking about this for like a while now. I think me being a versatile player has been like great, awesome, I'm unique, I'm in this own space that I get to exist in. And also I feel like it's a curse at times, you know, I feel like my identity really gets lost. I feel like in the league, I'm known as a player that, you know, is a midfielder. I cause havoc. I create goals. I assist and all these, you know, qualities that I think resemble who I am as a player. And then I go into national camp, which is where there's a huge, you know, it's a huge stage. There's a huge spotlight on you. And, you know, I'm an outside back, a completely different position that, you know, requires me to be in a completely different mindset uh, throughout the game. And I think I've really struggled at times because, I'm almost envious of everybody else for being able to be the same person and player, I feel like in camp and out of camp and wherever they are, they know they're a midfielder, they know they're a striker, they have mm-hmm. their identity kind of solidified. And for me, I don't get that, you know, but mm-hmm. I will say what I do get is perspective. I get appreciation of all the positions on the field. I, you know, connect well with my teammates because I understand if I'm playing Um, as a left back and I'm connecting with my forward, I understand the life of a forward. I understand the runs that need to be made and just the movements that I feel like I've found myself in before. So it is kind of a, you know, little love-hate relationship I have with my role as a player. And I think that's also why I have seen people say that I'm slighted. I think, um, you know, my role on the national team has very much been to fill the holes and wherever we may be missing, um, a person or player that they, you know, are still searching for. I've always been the one that has to plug the hole and it's a compliment, but you know, am I the one who's making headlines the very next day? Hasn't really been me or hasn't, I haven't felt like, you know, I've gotten where I needed to be notoriety wise. And, you know, it hurts sometimes. Some days I wake up, I'm like, ah, bummer. Like, I really felt like I had a good game. It's, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the headlines, but I will say I've just never been that person to to like play this game for all the fame. You know, what I get out of soccer is uh, the connections I get to make, the friends I get to have, you know, 
everything that soccer has brought me is why I continue to play because it is such a special sport that has brought me all over the world. And um, it's just, you know, the feeling I have every day that I step on the field, the passion that I want to put out there every single day is more than all the accolades that I may not get or the recognition that I may not get. And, you know, it makes me work harder. You know, maybe I'm even more pissed off the next day because I'm like, oh, I should have been, you know, MVP of this game, but I wasn't. Oh, going back to the drawing board, you know, right getting that. back up there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I will say when I speak to like young kids, I always tell them like, you really have to enjoy the sport and play it for the right reasons because you will drive yourself insane if you compare yourself to other players or you only play to win these trophies or want to be in these moments that will come with hard work and dedication but you know it should be the journey that you focus more on and I've had an incredible journey and I don't regret anything and I'm unique for it and special for it absolutely and what I try to say as a mother of a U12 player who's on the shorter side and who gets played as a right back a right forward and a midfielder depending on quote unquote what is needed we watched you, and I always try to say, just like that, just like that. And what what she comes back to is she's like, she reads it so well. Yes. She says, see, that's because she does all of those things. Exactly. So how does she read. feel about it? Like, is um, she, you know, excited? Is she like, okay, if coach needs me to play right forward or right mid or right, you know, right back, I'm I'm fueled and excited about it or is she like oh I can't wait for Luna to hear this because she feels exactly how you do she doesn't she wants an easy label she wants a set of things to work on yes and instead she feels like she's constantly working on every single aspect of the game itself yes so it's like what drill could I do well I don't know any of them but keeper Exactly. I mean, that is, that's exactly how I feel. And it's, you know, I think at a young age, it is disappointing, I feel like is the word when you do feel like your coach wants you to play in multiple positions. But in the long run, you're so much better for it. I am like, so much more technical because I can bounce around and be someone who can fill these multiple holes and play in multiple positions. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to do that because you're fast or athletic. And I think that's, you know, that taps into a whole nother conversation of, you know, just me talking about how you really should label players. And, Mm -hmm. um, and when you're critiquing players, don't say they're just athletic. That's why they can play multiple positions because I can tell you right now, I'm not always the most athletic on my team, but I do not think that everybody can be the 10, be the forward, be the nine, be an outside back. And that's, that's skill set. That's knowledge of the game. And I think that that stuff needs to be highlighted way more than they're fast they're athletic. Like, you know, yes, that's part of the game, but that is not all of what soccer is made of. Did you feel like some of those labels came because they were racialized? I mean, at times, I think I can't make that that judgment call on all the comments that have come my way um, just to say, oh, you know, it's because, you know, I am, you know, a black girl on the national team. That's why they're labeling me this way. But I do think there are times that I feel like, you know, they wouldn't say this to, uh, a white player in my position or, you know, another player that is similar to me has similar qualities. So um, I really do hope that I can help push that message forward to commentators and coaches to just really see the game and, and, and not get caught up in, you know, Oh, I'm just going to make this statement and it's not going to harm anybody. Cause I think, especially with young kids, their minds are sponges, like what they hear, they're going to carry with them and they're going to think, 
okay, this is what coach thinks of me. This is who I am. You know, as an older player to me, I'm like, I'm 28 years old. Am I really listening to what someone says about me? Not a whole lot because I've grown into myself and I know who I am as a player. But I do think as young kids, you often, you know, hear something and you're like, okay, this is what coach thinks of me. So therefore, like, that's the only opinion that matters or that's, you know, that's who I am because they said that's who I am. So definitely for coaches coaching younger kids, please be smart about what you say and, you know, really critique them on their qualities and not just get caught up in some of their attributes that they may possess, but see them as a whole player and try to develop a well-rounded player. So as we all know, 2020 has already reshaped how we work. It's almost over, Uh, but businesses across the globe have been challenged to be their most efficient. And guess what, friends? Indeed is here to help. Indeed, what is Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. It helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause at any time. This is my favorite as someone who forgets to cancel things and is very ADHD. Um, Amir, can you relate? Uh-huh. Do, yes. Do you have, do you have a yes. few things on your account that just like, oops. <laughs> Keep going. Yes. So there yes. are no long-term contracts. No long-term contracts. You um, don't have to end up with zone for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Shireen. And also hope zone is not a sponsor of us. <laughs> uh, so instant match. No, this is an exciting thing. <laughs> Uh, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly is Instant Match. It delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed, okay, this is a, I like this line, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Woo! Here's our call to action right now. Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Shireen, what's the credit? I have no idea. It is a free $75 credit. Amira, what's the credit? It's a free $75 credit. Thank you. At Indeed. God, I was ready and you didn't call well, me. Lord, I, Jeff, I thought Jessica okay. was okay, going to do it. At Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. This is their best available offer anywhere. Jess, what is that website? Uh-oh. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. I have it. Indeed.com. Go there right now before you forget it. Um, because we forget things. Uh the offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. We definitely just did an entire segment on data and sports and did not talk about betting. You might be wondering why. Wow. It's because we don't know anything about betting. I don't know how many times I can keep telling y'all that. I have no idea. I keep telling you that. I keep telling my uncle that. Like, I don't know how many more ways we could say, I don't know. 
But again, if you are somebody who likes to bet and knows what to bet on and what all those numbers mean, I can say, I can pretend, I'll be like, take the over, take the under. I go against the spread. They're negative five. I'll take them and the points. I can pretend a lot. But the people you really want to turn to is bet online because they give you every possible chance to win this season. They have game spreads and totals and teams and players and coaching props and prop bets are a thing that I'm going to say. Again, I don't know what that means, but Bet Online does. So go there. They give you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their um, bonuses, wager on wins, division championship features all day, every day. So please head on over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So um, this past summer, after, you know, Breonna Taylor's murder, George Floyd, um, there's a massive Black Lives Matter movement, uh, it has sparked, obviously, a lot of change across sports. How did uh, Black Women Players for Change come about, the new organization in NWSL? Yeah, so we started a group, um, and it is called Black Women's Player Collective. We're really excited about it. Sorry, collective, collective. No worries. <laughs> Black Women Players Collective. Yes, got yes. it. We're, um, so we started out as basically being a support group, you know, just being able to come together, create a space for all the Black women in the NWSL to, to vent and just, you know, speak on things that they've experienced and just create a safe space for them. Um, because, you know, our issue on the women's side compared to the men's side is definitely different. You know, the men have the representation. They have uh, multiple players on each team to really feel like their voice can be heard, whereas a lot of our NWSL teams, there's only maybe one Black player on a team. And that could be extremely overwhelming um, given all the events that have occurred this year. You know, how how do they feel like they can speak to their teammates? You know, it, it was challenging. So I think creating this group came at a really good time because we knew events were happening and occurring. And, you know, we just wanted that space to be laid out for players. Um, and now, obviously, we're excited because it is an off season. We have a bit of downtime, but this is when we feel like we could push initiatives. A lot of our initiatives were, you know, voter education and making sure people were getting out there to vote. And from the looks of things, I think it worked. Yay. Yay. So obviously now that the election is behind us, a lot of our initiatives will be focusing on, um, you know, helping young black girls get more involved in soccer and pushing for programs that will allow scholarships. Um, just certain, you know, initiatives that we think should be targeted mostly towards black women because we feel like we are somewhat in a different fight than our male counterparts so um we're really excited about just making this space specifically for uh women yeah and what's been the reaction to the group so far um yeah so we've been in a lot of conversations with our commissioner the nwslpa uh we're trying to figure out the best way relationship wise to move forward because um they have voice that they want to support us and, and we're obviously so appreciative of that but we also know that we're in a very unique time now where we as black women feel like we should not be asking permission for some things we should feel like um this is how we feel this is our voice and therefore you're kind of either really with us or you're just you know you're off to the side and i think the nvsl is is realizing that 
we can no longer really um, sit back and let them kind of take the wheel. It's actually our time now to be in the forefront and, and really drive these conversations. And I think they've responded really well and they understand that uh, we don't want just anyone speaking for us. If there is a matter that uh, is a racial matter, we would love to be in the conversation. If there's a message that they're gonna put out there, we would love to know what the message is because there's been some uh, misunderstanding and miscommunication, I think, whenever a message is being put out, it sometimes doesn't represent how we all feel. And I think they understand the issues and the the problems that that can cause in the future. So yeah, right now we're just working on continuing to build our relationship with them. Well, I wonder too, um, what's the response been of non-Black players or white players for the most part? Is there ways that they've shown good allyship? Is there is there a ways to go? How do you feel about that? Yeah, so we actually do have a part of our group that will be allies. Um, they are non-Black members of the group, which we're excited about that. Uh, we have Sam Mewis and Becky Sarabron who have really been leading the, the pack on that. So we're excited because we understand that this should not be a black community issue or a white community issue. This should be, you know, everyone's issue and everyone trying to get on board to help solve these problems. So we completely understand the value and not everyone in the group just, you know, being in the group just because they're black. You know, we understand that um, these matters should be handled with everybody in the NBSL and, um, and we need everyone's help and support. So uh, we definitely created a space for them and they're excited about it. We obviously don't want anyone to ever feel like this is a forced um, thing that they should be involved in. You know, I think it's important that we know going forward, you know, people either want to get involved and, and support us or they just, they don't. And we're, we have to be okay with that. You know, we have to be okay understanding that the NWSL is a different demographic than the WNBA. So we don't have that representation. We may have uh, people who have polarizing views um, and that's unfortunate, but we also are prepared for that. And this is, we don't want to create anything that we feel like people are in it for the wrong reasons or um, they're forced into it. So we definitely have a, a process of understanding who's really here to really be in here for the long haul and not just here for the trend, you know? So, um, but we're excited. We're going to create some really creative and important things for uh, women as a whole, but also definitely minority women. Yeah, it seems like such a an important balance to have the space for Black women to have the the platform and to have the voice and to have the maneuverability within the league versus the players, and also then seems really in like very strategically intelligent to think. Let's also organize the the white allies who who are interested in that under our umbrella. <laughs> in our yes. in our army, but not quite leading the charge per yes. se. Um, yeah. That seems to be like a, a very smart strategy and one that I don't think is done that often. No, I mean, I know, and it sounds so bad to say, but you just, we're in a time right now where we just, we really don't want... Um, white women to feel like they have to speak for us or speak out and not allow us to be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that is really where we've been and we're trying to move away from that. And mm -hmm. um, as minorities, we already feel like we are very overwhelmed with representation, the lack of representation, I should say. So, um, you know, we feel like even though we are a smaller group, as we're unified, we know we can make a big impact and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that seems like a really smart way to move forward. Um, I do want to ask just a couple more things. Um, 2019, 
World Cup, obviously, congratulations, much post facto. It was very, yes. very amazing. <laughs> then you have the equal pay fight. Mm -hmm. um, pretty disappointing, the exit of Carlos Cordero. Um, where is the equal pay fight now? We're not, you know, hearing so much about it. And of course, equal pay and pay gaps are also really important intersectionally with Black Lives Matter because so much of Black labor is depreciated. Uh, so I want to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wish I had this huge update for you, but I kind of <laughs> really don't. It's actually been um, definitely quiet, but I think more so quiet just because of what this year has been like, you know? Um, we're not saying that the equal pay fight is not important, but we, I think, also are at a time where COVID is, you know, breaking out again. And uh, the racial injustices that have been happening has been huge in the forefront. And I feel like um, this was a time for us to kind of take a step back and, you know, just reflect, you know, and even though we are disappointed in the decision that was made, we know that we are going to keep fighting and we know that this is not the end. Um, and now it's been great that the national team has been able to get back because it has been challenging to get on the same page with players if you don't see them, if you're only doing, you know, Zoom calls and it's just hard to connect. But I think um, as the world is now taking a turn, hopefully for the better, um, those conversations will be sparking up again and we will be moving forward on just what's next and, and how do we keep these conversations going because, you know, we will not stop until we know we have gotten what we rightfully deserve. And obviously being on the national team, it's been incredible because I do feel like we are pioneers. So for us, these battles are hard to fight, but we know that by doing that, we are paving the way for those um, coming after us, but also other national teams. You know, it's, it's been in incredible to see that for us, it's like, yes, we're in our own fight, but it's really not our own fight. It's a fight for women everywhere to be recognized and paid what they are deserving of being paid. And I'm seeing um, the effect all across the world. And I think that's what we are hopeful that we can continue doing. Yeah, it really feels like a global moment. I mean, Brazil, at least, coming to equal pay for the days they're convoked. It's not exactly equal because they're convoked far less. But at the same time, it's a step forward. And I'm not surprised to see that coming under Pia Sundage's um, coaching tenure. I mean, I, I, I feel like there's connections <laughs> where, you, you know, it's a global movement, but the, the U.S. women have have definitely played a really inspiring role. I can tell you from having worked with the Argentine and Chilean national team, you know, they they are able to parlay that example and really push their federations in directions that they might not be able to do otherwise. Definitely. So, I mean, so that it is really important um, for all of those reasons. And it's exciting. And I think we all hope the momentum, you know, keeps going. Yes, I um, think we're rounding the corner. Yeah, we're we're going to keep on going. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Um, and I want to sort of talk about Portland. Um, you know, North Carolina has one particular type of women's soccer community. And it's got the UNC and it's got the Duke and it's got the courage and there's great stuff about it. Probably though rivaling in terms of the ferocity of their fans portland thorns fans are so excited to have you do you <laughs> already feel a kind of vibe with the city yes uh, i think honestly this year throughout all the chaos has really just allowed me to have even more clarity and just 
really be able to get introduced to Portland. You know, I think everyone can kind of look at 2020 the same way saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I couldn't go into work anymore. Kids are at home. Kids are now doing uh, stay at home studies and things like that. But I feel like you get to like look at the world in a different way. And I think that's how I kind of used this year was really just being in Portland a lot more and um, being able to just get used to this new surrounding. Um, so it's been nice to live in my home that we got a year ago. I was like, wow, this is the first time I'm able to spend time here, which is really nice. And um, like I said, I got to meet my neighbors, just certain things that I feel like were really allowing me to adjust to this potential move that I was making to Portland. And then obviously fast forward, everything worked out. And um, I just think it's a huge, huge soccer city. So of course I'm already excited to be a part of that. And um, and just, yeah, the people, I think there's there's something so quirky and cool always about Portland. And I think I've been experiencing that. And everywhere I go, I feel like the moment you mentioned women's soccer, there's this, oh, the thorns, we know the thorns. And I think that that is just incredible. I wish that was everywhere, you know? And I think um, that's what makes Portland so unique and so incredible because people come out and support the women's side just as much as they come out and support the men's side. And I think that's what we need everywhere um, in all these other industries and markets. We need everyone to realize that women can play this sport. You know, if you just show up and come to the games, you will not be disappointed. So I'm excited to definitely play in front of these fans. If we can get fans again, I don't know when, but the welcoming party has been very nice. Um, I was a little nervous for people to be like, wow, you're leaving the North Carolina courage, like, you know, F you or whatever, just bad stuff, obviously. Oh. But it's been pretty nice. And I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Me too. Um, there's definitely things in the women's game that we would prefer not to replicate about the men's game. So I'm glad no one's burning your jerseys over your personal decisions. Um, <laughs> so true. I think there's definitely like a group of practices we can agree on that we can just leave to the men's side or maybe they can just start to emulate um, the women's game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the men do their whole diving situation that I don't want that brought into the women's <laughs> game. I'm very happy that we are strong women and we play through bloody noses. I mean, Becky Sarabron's head wrapped oh, yeah. with blood oh, in the goodness. final. I'm like, that is the definition of women's soccer player right there. It's like coach or, or trainer wrap me up. I'm ready to still stay in this game. Don't, <laughs> don't, you know, don't haul me off of the field. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if it's up to us, we've already got the ball rolling on this concept. Um, <laughs> so that's great. Well, at Burn It All Down, we are absolutely so excited for you at the Portland Thorns and so grateful that you came on the show. And um, yeah, just best of luck to you in all of these things. And congratulations on the Black Women's Players Collective. It is fantastic and much, much needed. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.